0: John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. This is the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of God. Let me offer up another quick prayer. Uh, God, we thank you just uh, for your word, and we pray for this time to be fruitful. Uh, May your spirit give us um, not only insight of mind, but uh, formation of hearts. Help us to be reoriented. Towards you in Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. All right, so uh, we we are a, a small church, and I have always actually been part of smaller churches, and um, I know sometimes being part of a smaller church can be hard. And one of the reasons why it can be hard is like it seems like there are just like so many needs, and there's just not enough people to fill those needs, and. Uh, COVID has probably exacerbated that <laughs> because now we don't, like, you know, we're not sure, um, you know, sometimes people just may not be able to come on Sundays and, um, you know, uh, Fred, Fred's family is a case in point. And then you, you kind of get to a point where it's like, oh, man, do we have enough people to even get set up for Sunday worship? And I think, you know, a lot of smaller churches probably experience that. And because of that, uh, serving can be hard, and those of you who are uh, serving, uh, I'm sure you've probably felt it in the last couple of years. It, it, it can be hard, and so I thought this would be a good and appropriate time because uh, as summer winds down, uh, I'm hoping in this next year we can rebuild a lot of the things that we lost during the pandemic and rebuild some of the ministries. That's going to re- actually require a, a lot more involvement uh, from you all in terms of serving, and uh I know what you're thinking when I say that. You're probably thinking, oh, I don't know if, if I have the capacity uh, to give more, or I don't know if I even want to, right? Those kind of things. And uh, some of you may even feel like guilty, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I feel like I should be serving more, um, but I'm just not, and I just don't want to. Uh, I don't want you to feel any of those things, right? I don't want you to feel guilt. I don't want you to serve because you feel like you have to. Uh, what I want us to do is reorient why we serve And for those of you who are serving and maybe it's kind of been difficult to serve, I want us to reorient ourselves to why we serve um, so that maybe some of the wrong reasons for why we might serve, uh, we can kind of check our hearts with respect to them. Ultimately, I think serving gives us an opportunity to grow in our faith. Now, I have never met anybody, pastor, missionary, I've never met anybody who has said, I don't think we need any more people to serve, right? Have you ever been to a church where they're like, no, 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 we have too many people to serve. There's needs everywhere, right? Uh, we have plenty of, you know, we need people to set up for Sundays. We need people to lead small groups. We need people to open up their homes and show hospitality. We need people doing community outreach. We need people sharing the gospel. We need people praying for one another. We, we need people serving in, in like homeless, homeless shelters. The list goes on and on and on and on. There's there's no lack of opportunity to serve. And because of that, uh, I think it's very easy for us to get into the mindset like, oh, I need to serve because there's a need, right? People need me and therefore I need to serve. Uh, But that's not why I think uh, we should serve. It's not simply because there's a need. And in order to give us this perspective on serving, let's look at this familiar story in the Gospel of John. This is a story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people And uh, it's the only miracle outside the resurrection that is recorded in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's a significant story. And as we look at the story, there's a couple perspectives that you could take by looking at this passage. You could look at this story from the perspective of the crowd, maybe. Uh, You could look at the story from the perspective of this boy who had five barley loaves and two fish. We could even look at the story from the perspective of Jesus. Uh, who seems to have this greater purpose in feeding these people? But what I want to do is I want to look at this story from the perspective of the disciples. The passage that we're going to look at today—it's only the first part of a greater narrative where Jesus reveals that He is the ultimate bread of life. And in the beginning of the chapter, crowds—they're just flocking to Jesus. They're following Jesus. And then you read the end of the chapter, and everyone has abandoned Jesus, right? All in the span of one chapter. You got crowds coming to Jesus at the end of the chapter. Everybody's abandoned Jesus except for the 12, the 12 disciples. In the beginning, Jesus is this rock star. At the end, they think he's crazy. Uh, He says things like, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And so it's uh, easy to assume that Jesus was performing this miracle for the sake of the crowd, But what if he's not actually performing this miracle for the sake of the crowd? What if he's actually performing this miracle for the sake of his own disciples? You know, verse 10 tells us that there were 5,000 men. And in the ancient world, you know, it wasn't fair, but women and children, they weren't counted in the census. So commentators say there's probably more like 15,000 people present. And imagine trying to feed like 15,000 people. Uh, If any of you have planned a big party, you know how hard it is just to feed like 200 people, right? But there are thousands of people here, and because there were thousands of people here, it must have taken a very long time logistically for 12 people to distribute this bread and fish. Uh, Then they had to gather the leftover into 12 baskets, which would also have taken a long time. So they're serving as waiters, and then they're cleaning up. And what is the end result of all of that work that the disciples did? All of that labor in serving the food and then cleaning it up. There doesn't seem to be anything to show for it, right? By the end of chapter 6, crowds are gone. All that's left is Jesus and the 12. Now, if I were a disciple, this is what I would think. I would say, what was the point of doing all of that serving, right? It didn't accomplish anything. All it did was make these uh, Jewish people angry. I thought we were going to be part of this great movement, but after all of that work, everybody's gone. But maybe it only seems pointless because we're not looking at it through the right lens. Maybe we are a people who are too goal-oriented, and we only see the point of serving when we feel like we're accomplishing something. Maybe we're only willing to serve when we know it's worth the investment of our time and our energy. And, uh, of course, it would be much easier to be on the receiving end, wouldn't it? But here's a question I want to pose. Let me ask you this. Who grew the most in their faith throughout this entire episode? Was it the ones being served with this bread, or was it the ones who were serving the bread? Was it the crowd? Was it the disciples? Again, at the end of the chapter, crowds are gone. At the end of the chapter, when Jesus asks the 12 if they want to go away as well, you know how they respond? They say this. They say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Perhaps then, in their participation in serving this bread, they were actually witnesses to something that gave them greater faith. They were the ones that grew in faith. Let's take a closer look at this conversation before the miracle takes place. If you look at verse 5, Jesus says to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat, right? A very simple question, a logistical question. Hey, Philip, uh, look at all these people. We got to feed them. Where do we buy them bread? <laughs> and verse 6 tells us the reason that Jesus asked this question. It says he asked this question in order to test him, right? He, he wasn't looking for an answer. He was trying to test him. This tells us that Jesus was thinking about his disciples as even as he is preparing to do this miracle, He's testing them because he wants them to grow in their faith. And how do the disciples respond to Jesus' question? Well, verse 7, Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And Philip is basically doing some math in his head. He's calculating in his head. He says 200 denarii, which is about eight months' worth of wages. He said, even if I saved up eight months' worth of wages to buy bread, it's still not enough to feed all these people there's no possible way to feed this crowd. And then you have another guy, Andrew. Andrew says in verse 9, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And I don't think Andrew's trying to be helpful here. This boy has barley loaves, which is typically the type of bread that poor people would eat, and he has these two small fish. Andrew's looking at this poor boy and saying, look, He has uh, five loaves, and he has, like, these two little anchovies for lunch. That's all we have available, right? He's definitely trying to point out how little they have compared to this great crowd. And maybe there's even a little bit of sarcasm in his response. Now, I think most of us would respond like Philip or Andrew in that kind of situation, right? Like, Philip, we would analyze the situation. We'd do some calculations, and we'd figure out, you know what, Jesus? It's just not possible to feed these people. Or maybe we would respond like Andrew. Uh, Probably most of you would respond like Andrew because New Yorkers are very sarcastic and we make a very sarcastic comment trying to highlight that's ludicrous to think that we can actually feed these thousands of people. But Jesus, of course, had other plans. Jesus knew what he was going to do and he wanted to test his disciples. He wanted to build up their faith and show them, look, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. Now, I think in theory, a lot of us would say we want to grow in faith, but the reality is even though we would say we want to grow in faith, we don't really always put ourselves in the position to grow in faith. Uh, It's like how a lot of us say, myself included, you know, I want to get in better shape. Um, But then I never go to the gym, right? (laughs) Going to the gym is hard. You don't see the benefit of going to the gym immediately. Takes up a lot of time, a lot of energy, which is why exercise is difficult. But then you know what happens over time when you go to the gym. You start to see something happen to your body. You start to feel better. You start to feel stronger. You start to gain more energy. You know, serving in the church doesn't yield immediate benefits a lot of the times. Uh, But over time, you might find yourself in a position to witness God doing something that really builds up your faith. Some of you, um, I know, have participated in short-term mission trips. And you ask yourself, who usually grows on these short-term mission trips? In my experience, uh, it's been those who went to serve rather than the people who are being served. You know, many years ago, uh, a group here, every year, uh, Wayne would lead it. People would go to Africa, uh, the Ivory Coast, in order to serve. And I remember one person coming back with this testimony And when she came back, she was, like, completely changed and completely transformed. And she said, you know, I I thought I was a Christian before, but, you know, after my experience in Africa, I'm not really sure I was, right? (laughs) Through serving, uh, she would say, I witnessed some powerful things that God was doing in the hearts of people. And uh, she grew immensely in faith because of it. Now, if you have served in any kind of uh, ministry after you forget about all the frustrations of people not showing up, people not caring, people flaking on you, right, you take a step back, I'm sure you'll conclude that you're the one that grew the most out of that experience because you're the one that served. You're the one that had to prepare every week. You're the one that had to show up every week. And because of that, you were probably the one who grew the most because you were challenged and stretched in your serving. And if God happens to do something to the people you are serving, You get front row seats and you get to witness that transformation of heart. And you know what that does to you? That encourages you. That allows your faith to grow and you gain a deeper sense of trust in Him. You know, there are so many areas in which we can serve because, as I said in the beginning, there are so many needs. Um, You just walk out this building, there's so many people on the streets. So many families who are broken. So many people who are lonely. So many people who need a friend. So many people struggling financially. And you think about all the needs, and it does start to get overwhelming because there are an infinite amount of needs. But even though there are so many needs, the point of this passage is not about serving because there are so many needs. This passage is ultimately not about serving physical bread. It's not about the uh, material, but it's about realizing that the true bread we need is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. And that's Jesus' point. He tells a crowd that they're following him. Why? Because he, he fed them. But they should not be seeking bread that perishes. Rather, they should be seeking food that endures to eternal life. Up until this point in John's Gospel, people have been confused because they're thinking only about the physical without the spiritual. John 2, Jesus says he would destroy the temple in three days and raise it up. Jews responded, what? It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? John 3 tells Nicodemus, what? You need to be born again. Nicodemus responds, how can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? John chapter 4, Jesus tells a Samaritan woman, she needs the water that he gives. How does a woman respond? "Uh, You have nothing to draw water with, right? You see the pattern here? right? People are seeing the physical, but Jesus is ultimately talking about the spiritual. He's talking about the spiritual things that they need, even as he feeds a crowd. The point is not that Jesus is able to provide bread for thousands of people. The point is a spiritual truth. Jesus is the true bread that people need, and that's what the crowd didn't see, but that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to see. At the end of this passage, Verse 15, the crowds want to make Jesus king. Why? They think Jesus is supposed to be the one who would make Israel into this uh, nation again, like uh, the days of King David or King Solomon. They think Jesus is going to lead them to overthrow uh, the Roman Empire. But again, they are not seeing things as Jesus did. Jesus is not there to give them what they think they need. Jesus is there to give them what they ultimately need. They thought they needed physical bread, but what they really needed was the bread of life. They thought they needed a king who would make Israel great, but what they really needed was a king who would die on the cross. Jesus didn't come to take a sword in order to judge other nations with it. He came to fall on the sword in order to be judged for our sin. And that's what the cross is all about. It's God knowing what we really need is to know Jesus and to believe in him. It's God knowing that we really need, what we really need is not bread, or I guess in our case, what we really need is not uh, a a nicer apartment, a career that pays a higher salary, a better bonus. Ultimately, what we need is this crucified Messiah because it's the crucified Messiah who ultimately gives us this relationship with God. It's the crucified Messiah who gives us life and salvation. It's a crucified Messiah who offers us forgiveness for our sin, gives us freedom, liberation, joy, hope, peace. And in the final analysis, that is what we truly need. And so I ask the question again why should we serve? It's more than meeting a physical need, but it's, it's not less than that, but it is more than that. I think it has to be more about accomplishing our goals, our agendas. Uh, As a church, it's not like, oh, we need to grow to like 100 people, uh, and once we do that, then I'll I'll feel like it was worth it. Um, In the final analysis, it's really about participating with Jesus in his work, being able to witness what he is able to do, and maturing in faith. That's why we serve. We just put ourselves in a position to see what God is doing. And I think um, when we serve, that's, that's ultimately what happens. Uh, we certainly have a lot of needs where people can serve. Uh, we need a lot of people to serve just to keep our church minimally running. <laughs> uh, you know, setting up is not easy, and especially when people are out for various reasons, you know, it's, it's difficult. We could, we could use a hand. Uh, you know where the kids are? we could definitely use people to serve in the children's ministry, right? Um, What's going on over there so that uh, all the parents here can worship or to listen to the sermon, you know, that's not easy. Uh, We would love to make this place much more uh, hospitable for visitors and newcomers. And maybe that means like, you know, setting up food or organizing food after service. Uh, You know, it, it does feel like the same people are just doing everything, right? And the same people are doing multiple things. Here's what I want you to take away. Again, I don't want you to feel bad about that. If you're one of the people who seem to be doing everything, uh, don't focus on the actual work, right? Don't be the disciple who looks at how many loaves of bread are available. Don't look at, like, oh, how did things technically go um, in the service or how many people showed up, right? Don't look at those things, but try to find glimpses of where Jesus is working through your service, uh, if, you're, if you're setting up, look at how Jesus is working through the worship of his people. Uh, if you're helping out with children's ministry, oh, well, I guess they can't hear what I'm saying right now, but in the future, if you help out with children's ministry, look at how Jesus is working in growing the faith of our children. And that in turn grows your faith. If you're not someone who is very uh, active in serving, listen carefully. This is my message to you. It's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's all good. I don't want this to be a culture where it's like, oh, I need to serve because like, there's so much pressure to serve and people are going to judge me if I don't serve. No, no, no. It's all good. If you don't want to serve, don't serve. It's okay not to serve. Uh, if you can't serve, very legitimate. Even if you don't want to serve, that's fine too. I just simply want you to consider serving may be something you might find great benefit in, Because it might, again, put you in a position to see the power of God at work. Again, not immediately, but at some point during the long haul. You might look back and say, I'm glad I did that because I grew in faith, and it enriched my soul. You ever think about what if Philip or Andrew uh, were never in that position to serve bread and collect the bread? I imagine their orientation around Jesus would have been, very different. And even though they expressed some doubt at first, Jesus gave them what they ultimately needed, which was not the bread, which was not the fish. Jesus gave them Himself, a glimpse of Himself. They believed He was the Holy One of God. And in the final analysis, that's what we need. That's what we need. Serving. Whether you serve or not, find Jesus, right? Find Jesus in your serving. Serve, not because there's a need, because you feel guilty. In fact, if you feel guilty for not serving, don't serve, because in the long run, it's not going to be good for your soul. But if God prompts your heart to serve, I think it'll be uh, powerful and beneficial to your soul. Because then you'll see God at work. Let's pray. Uh, God, our eyes are so oriented carnally, and uh, we see things according to the flesh, and we... uh, We see things according to metrics. We see things according to uh, what we perceive to be as fruitfulness. Uh, We uh, oftentimes interpret uh, the needs to be primarily physical. And sometimes we forget the invisible things, the spiritual things that you you do. And uh, primarily that being uh, working on our own hearts and building up our own faith. I do pray that we can be a serving community, but not simply so that we can say we're a serving community, but uh, I pray that we can be a serving community uh, so that we all find ourselves in a position uh, to grow in faith, to be able to witness uh, Jesus at work, to be able to witness when hearts are transformed or when people are touched by worship, uh, when people come, are in, uh, come alive again uh, to things like prayer, I pray, God, that uh, we become a serving community so that we can see these things and we can be reminded, truly, you are the Holy One of God. Truly, you are the powerful one. Truly, you are the good one. Truly, you are the merciful one. Truly, you are the active one. And that you are still work at work in the everyday, day-to-day things uh, that are going on. Uh, It's too hard for us to generate faith on our own. Um, It's actually impossible for us to generate faith on our own. Uh, We need you to give it to us as a gift. And we need you to reveal yourself to us uh, so that we might deepen our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray.